Oh, yeah. Hi. Uh, this week on the Century Matters podcast, we've got Alice Tennant. Now, Alice um, had to leave her job to home educate her son and is now back at university doing a fine art degree. And that is so that she can go on to use this to help with the sensory integration. But the most important question is, does she have ten ants? <laughs> she does not have ten ants. She's Alice Tennant. But anyway, also this week... We've still got Advent giveaways every single day up until Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is the last one. So go and enter all of those on our main Facebook page. And we're just winding down now, aren't we? Getting ready to chill out for the festive period. Or just sleep. But now we're going to go and listen to Alice Tennant's podcast and let you know what we think. We love Annette and we love a chat. We love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of pure frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too, collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory natters. You know what? Right, hi everyone, it's Jenny here with another Sensory Matters show and today I'm talking to Alice. Hi Alice. Hi. Hi. Alice is from over the water in, in Ireland and we met each other at the autism show back in June mm-hmm. and I ended up talking to her mum for ages about Alice's life and challenges and her interest in uh, sensory spaces and the design of those and the impact that can have with people on the spectrum. So we're going to talk about that and we're also going to talk about life as an ASD parent because you have got four boys, two of which are diagnosed. Yeah. So you have your hands full. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I know you. Said, I know you said about uh, not being disturbed. I have a six-month-old in here. Oh, that's okay. Just give off a little bit, so I'm just gonna yeah. quickly. Up. Yeah, you go pick them up and do what you need to do. It's all good. He's teething. Oh. So. All right, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, let's just go right back to the very beginning of your um, journey through through the spectrum, if you like, when when you first thought one of your boys maybe had something different going on. Okay. Um, well, I mean, um, a few years ago, maybe two, two and a half years ago, I probably would have never have... I've never heard the word autism in relation to my children and the only experience I had of it was um, you know generally like what you see in films and things like that so I first heard it um, at my oldest son's P1 parent teacher meeting where his teacher said I don't think he's autistic but (laughs) and then from there (laughs) it's been a real journey of uh, learning about what autism is and recognizing it and going through the whole diagnostic process which is a really long process yeah. for most people mm. um, about two years so um, I mean uh, now I've got to the stage where my two oldest boys are both diagnosed but they're so completely different in the way that they present okay uh, it kind of doubles up your learning in a way so you get a broader understanding of what's going on <laughs> if you're um and kind of uh one of them is a real sensory seeker 
Um, and he's the one that will chew at things and rub himself against all kinds of surfaces and <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And then the other one is real sensory kind of avoidance, um, gets freaked out in uh, shops and uh, if too many people are talking at once and that kind of thing. So I've got both sides, yeah. <laughs> um, which can be fun to deal with when they're together. Yes. Um, um, but we're getting a lot better. Um, uh, Noah's in a place now. He's the the, the second oldest. Mm -hmm. uh, he would be the most severe in terms of his presentation and his ability to cope with life. Okay. In general, um, he um, was excluded from school uh, last year. Um, wow. Then, so what what was the trigger for that? Why did that happen? Um, well, I mean. I had started in, let me see, kind of from the beginning of school, he just kind of didn't really cope very well and um, over a period of time we started to learn a lot more about him but then um, he he wasn't getting along with the Senko in the school and although the school actually did try quite hard in the end with a bit of a push from us to be honest um, to, to provide all they could within their budget for him but it still wasn't enough. So he was being quite violent um, and having meltdowns before I'd even got to school, meltdowns in school, being uh, kicking out and uh, things. And then, I mean, it got to a stage where he was never even in class. He was just in a different room on his own all the time um, with a teaching assistant. So he wasn't um, kind of getting his education and he didn't have a statement at this time, so they couldn't really do anything more. Um, he, in uh, I know in England the system has changed. Here we still go for statements right. uh, to get the special education um, support that you need. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the old system, I guess. Um, but that took a long while as well. Uh, in the meantime, Noah did things like threaten to burn down the school and stuff like that. So wow. Okay. Um, since then, uh, after a long fight. Um, our wonderful, amazing country here, sorry, very sarcastic, so <laughs> has no government at yes, the moment. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people know about anyway. Yeah. Uh, much the frustration of most people in the population. But that means that there's no budget allocation for education or for health and things. So everything is suffering as a result. Yeah. And um it really slowed down the process, I think, for getting him into a school. And in the end, I had to actually get my local MLA um, to write a letter um, to the Education Authority. And I had to uh, complain to their um, chief executive before I was finally given a place in a school for him. Wow. And so that's just recently happened that he's gone yeah. off to that? It's just on his first week in school. Wow. And so far? Really good. <laughs> in that the, the school closest to us that's suitable for him is actually an amazing school um, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about it so I'm really really pleased for him and uh, keep expecting these phone calls you know five minutes after he's got in to yeah, come and yeah. pick him up but it just doesn't happen mm. they just deal with it they just help him and he comes home with a smile on his face every day oh so. my goodness that must be just the best thing ever <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's really nice. So, yeah. Chuck so, was here last year. <laughs> yeah, so he was he was at home for what a year and a half almost. 
yeah. So did you then have to provide education for him? Um, yeah, we tried that. <laughs> we went through a long process. I mean, I did what I could with him at home, but he had got himself in such a state about um, everything um, and he really developed this kind of demand avoidance mm. habit. So um, he wanted to be in control of everything. He wanted to um, just uh, avoid any kind of situation that he felt in the slightest bit uncomfortable in. Mm -hmm. So we ended up having to get help from um, Bernardo's uh, in autism intervention. Mm -hmm. And they came out and they did some great work with him. Um, and bit by bit, over a very slow um, year, we uh, managed to kind of de-escalate him and get him to control and um, uh, self-regulate a wee bit better. Right. So he's got lots of little things that he does to do that. Um, and we've done things like redecorate his room. It's literally like a white box. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, And then he has like sensory lights and things that he puts on in there as and when he wants. So he's able to take himself into a safe space mm -hmm. uh, to, to calm down about things um, and no idea that Bernardo's did anything with autism that's that's interesting so yeah I don't know if it's a national thing or whether it's just in Northern Ireland but yeah they're they're quite um, they're quite well thought of here for, yeah. for help in, in the home like somebody comes out to your home and helps you directly one-to-one -one. Right. so it's really it's a, it was invaluable to us to be honest Wow so what was the biggest biggest um, things that you learned from going through that period that has helped him uh, keep it as simple as you can yeah yeah just just one thing at a time and he's a lot more visual than I ever imagined okay. um, doing things with pictures and helping him know what's going to happen next schedules and although they can be initially quite difficult to get used to mm -hmm. um, they make an amazing difference because he feels a wee bit more uh, in control, I guess, or he has a better understanding in his head of what's happening, whereas before it was just this unknown. Yeah. And you could tell him verbally, but he wouldn't really understand what you meant. Yeah. Um, he's, he's verbal, he speaks, but um, his comprehension of language is quite poor. Okay. Uh, like, he will ask you what things mean constantly. Um, simple things like... One of his favourite is, and you have to tell him every single day, um, what does I love you mean? Aww. Well, what do you say to that? Um, it, it was well, the first time I was a bit stumped. I was like, oh, how do I answer this question? because yeah, it's hard to explain. Uh, well, I just tell him it means that you really care about somebody and that you want to kind of look after them and protect them and mm -hmm. things like that. So uh, yeah. just try, again, keep it simple. Yeah. And so, obviously, when, when he was at home, that must have had an impact on your ability to work. Yeah, yeah. So, was that hard on you or, or and, and the family, or was it just a case of, we've just got to get on with it, there's no point feeling sorry for ourselves? To be honest, um, we've been through two years of hell yeah. uh, in, in terms of the amount of change that we've had to deal with and the amount of things that have happened in our household. Um, but with hindsight, you always think at the time, oh, this is happening for a reason. But now I am starting to see why. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I did have to leave my job. I was ill myself. Um, 
uh, and one thing or another, my husband ended up changing job. So, but it's all been quite positive in the end because it's given me the push to do what actually I probably should have done years ago and go back to uni and do my masters. Um, but when you're in a job, you kind of have that security and yeah. you think, "Can I do this?" Um, but when you don't have a job, <laughs> when you don't have a job, you think, well, "I can do anything." Yeah. So, um, and my husband is um, now self-employed as well, so he has flexibility in in that, and he's doing something that he really enjoys as well. So, um, instead of just being a slave to the wage, yeah. we ended up being um, happier people hard process but definitely all of us as a family are all in a better place that's so. great so let's talk about the the art thing so you you're going back to do your master's in fine art yes that's right yeah, yeah. so what what was your first qualification in art that you did uh it was in fashion design i um studied in england actually in kent oh. so <laughs> i'm a far cry from that now but um I mean, I grew up, I always wanted to, to, I knew what I wanted to do, but then I got a bit disenchanted with it when I was at uni because I guess I was just never very comfortable with um, the immoral side of the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. It is very, very cutthroat and I guess I wasn't willing to, to be like that, yeah. to just fulfill some idea so you never dream. never worked in that industry after you qualified I, mean, I did some work experience and things but i never really um i never really worked properly in it um a lot of my friends continued in it for years and they're, they're still working in it but um i ended up coming we went traveling for a bit my husband and i i met him when i was at uni so um we went traveling for a bit and then i ended up just teaching myself to do graphic design I ended up working in that for a number of years that which then merged into marketing which then merged into sales and then I woke up and was like why am I in sales <laughs> so yeah, that's a yeah. cry from from being you know quite creative and yeah yeah so quite exciting that you're getting back to that then yeah can't wait yeah so and and you've got kind of an interest in sensory spaces is that right yeah um I mean at the autism show we could see lots of great products and things um, and I mean there are some amazing products on the market for um, self-regulation and sensory spaces and rooms and things I guess I'm seeing it from a different perspective in that one I'm a parent um, who has children of both ends of the sensory need as yeah. such um, and then I, um, I see it from more of a design perspective where I think that's good, but it could be done better. Mm -hmm. Or one of my big crux with um, sensory rooms as such uh, is that they're not very um, inclusive in, or in that they're, it's kind of like, right, we'll put you over there in that room and rather than integrating into society as a whole, okay. so, um, in places like hospitals or schools or airports, where people maybe have a real need to um, to self-regulate in some kind of environment, but it's it's to to bring that into 
just everyday life rather than it being um, segregated away. Yeah. Um, I mean, in I, I am a big fan of um, Dutch design and I really like things in Holland where, um, you know, they have all these amazing um, things that are just in everyday life and they're for everyone. Um, but they would make people on the autism spectrum or with other sensory processing um, difficulties, it would make their life easier. Things like supermarkets are completely different in the way they're designed. Yeah. The lighting is soft, there's no big garish branded labels and things. It's just actually quite relaxing to go into a supermarket. So <laughs> it's just bringing those theories and those ideas and trying to develop them into something that we can do to, to help people. Yeah. Um, cope with things like travel and um, hospital appointments or you know A and E those kinds of things yeah so you so your your kind of dream around this then is to almost raise awareness and educate big organizations and societies so that these things become just part of everyday life in yeah. all the public spaces yeah I mean I, I don't think it's I don't think it's just people with special needs as such that that need this stuff sometimes i think just you know everybody gets stressed yeah everybody could do with you know maybe a bit of a quiet space or you know something to, to help them i mean i have lots of ideas but they're just like they're buzzing around my head like a million things <laughs> it's really hard to verbalize yeah because um, yeah I'm, I'm just thinking even from from a uh, going to the supermarket point of view without a child on the spectrum when you've got young kids is hard enough um, yeah. because they're all wanting to touch everything and keeping them in the trolley and all the rest of it whereas if on the trolley bar there was something that could occupy them you yeah. know, stuff like that because you have that on your pram or your buggy don't you you know little yeah. things for them to the, the, you're right I'd never thought of it that way there is an awful lot that could be done quite simply um, yeah once you start to think about it, then more and more ideas come. Um, I mean, supermarkets, for example, really do seem to be geared towards marketing of products for big business. They're not geared towards making it an enjoyable experience for customers. No. So I think we could maybe push for some kind of change there in, in, in the approach to design and the approach to architecture and the approach to furniture and all kinds of things. It's Lighting to me is a big one. I mean, there's no need to have mm -hmm. garish strip lighting everywhere you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's not flattering for anyone. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, I mean, they don't don't employ that so much now in women's changing rooms, do they? Because they don't want you to see the truth. <laughs> so they no, have soft lighting in, in, in there. Hairs, make you look skinny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So how, how long is your master's going to take? Two years. Two years. Um, and it's uh, here in, at the um, Ulster University in Belfast. Um, but they also um, certify um, a course on um, sensory integration, okay. an, an occupational therapy type course, and they have all that kind of research too at their home. So I'm able to draw on all of that. And I really, what I really want to do with, with my... Um, time during my master's is really conduct proper research into what people want okay. because 
there's no point in me having an idea. I'm not the one who's really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and because autism is such a wide variety of different things and different coping mechanisms and different um, uh, people, ages, I mean, adults too. It's, it's not just children. And I think... Yeah. Um, one thing you, I get from looking through, you know, brochures of um, equipment and things is that they're really geared towards quite young children, um, and there's there's a whole market of older children or adults that that need help too. Absolutely, and, and there is this kind of I've seen a few. I can't say the word, is it memes or memes or whatever they are on the internet? Yeah, about, um, <laughs> yeah I don't know how you say it, but about, um, you know, you, you, you don't grow out of autism, um, but people <laughs> seem to assume you do, that, it, that there is a kind of myth or perception that it's a childhood thing. No, I think because we're learning so much more about it currently and because children are being diagnosed more now than maybe adults, um, people associate it with children but but like you say it's it's not it's your lifelong it's not an illness it's just who you are yeah. and um and it's not just a few people either i mean it's quite a large portion of society yeah. have difficulty in this area so why aren't we catering for them yeah absolutely and there's there's a mass untapped market well there's a mass untapped population of adults who are not diagnosed um, yes. who are now because awareness is getting much better which is good are now going and seeking out a diagnosis um, so yeah. I think although although we probably have more statistics on children I think over time we're going to see that shift um, as, as more adults come forward yeah yeah I mean my husband is one of those is he? <laughs> yeah well we think we think he's um, autistic but he um, I mean, to get to get a diagnosis is going to cost about three grand. So, I mean, he he copes with life, and we <laughs> and through our children, we understand him a bit better. So, yeah. um, and he understands himself better. Yeah. So, when he starts to get upset, maybe in a shop or something like that, he will just take himself away from that situation. Whereas before, we had this understanding. He he was just kind of going through this upset unnecessarily. Yeah. So um, it's positive for everyone in our in our house anyway. Yeah, that's great. Because, um, yeah, I think with the, the adults as well, that I think you've just learnt over time to have strategies that you don't even realise are coping strategies that allow you yeah. to function in, in everyday life. Um, yeah. And that's that's why, you know, children are less refined, aren't they? they they'll say what they feel and act out what they feel whereas as you grow up that's kind of trained out of you isn't it but it doesn't mean you're not suffering it doesn't mean you're not feeling it yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. so are you are you a believer that it's genetic then uh i don't know i think there's a lot of things to be answered in that area i do think there is something genetic there because i'm starting to suspect our third boy is autistic as well um, just with things that he does, but he's only two, so yeah. we'll just get for a wee while. Um, but um, yeah, I mean the traits. You just, I, I feel that they are genetic. Um, I, um, oh, sorry, my mind's gone blank there. Don't worry, <laughs> mine does that too. 
<laughs> regular basis for me. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I think from talking to people that it, it's it seems to be genetic. It does. It does seem to be that you know people maybe have two or three children who who are autistic, um, and it's it's I I don't know. I um I find it more unusual to find families with maybe one person where there's lots of children where there's only one yeah. diagnosed. But um, I mean, it can be difficult too for families to accept as well um, or recognise because not all schools or health practitioners are very supportive. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, I mean, we've been through quite a journey, but we're kind of getting there now and we know the ropes. But uh, I think if, if they were able to say, yes, it's genetic, we can do a test at a certain age, that would be amazing. And it would save a lot of uh, heartache for people, you know. It would, because one of the things I've learned through doing all of these interviews is that later diagnosis seems to have a big effect on people's mental health because they've existed through life not knowing why they feel different and just feeling different and blaming themselves for being different whereas that early diagnosis is kind of like all oh, right okay it's it's not my fault it's nothing I'm doing it's just the way I am and yeah. it really really helps from a mental health perspective so I think early diagnosis is really really important um, yeah I think I think as well for for younger for me talking to my boys it's great for me to be able to say to them there's nothing wrong with you you're just your brain works differently and there's some things you find difficult but there's some things that you're really really good at as well just like anybody else strengths yeah. and weaknesses yeah. and to try and help them with the things that they are good at and support that but if I didn't know I would I have to say if I didn't know anything about autism I would just think it was bad behaviour, like a lot of people do. Yes. Um, so I'm really glad I know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I know. There's, there's, I, I keep thinking we're winning it, and I, I do think we're winning it, in that I think awareness is much better, but understanding is still not quite there. Yeah, I do think that's a hard one, though, because one person's experience of autism is completely different to another person's experience of autism. And um, I think similar to dyslexia and ADHD and, and things like that, there's always this level of cynicism in society of people who just go, well, no, you're just a bad parent, or mm -hmm. um, that's a load of rubbish, or sure, you can cure that, or, <laughs> you know, and I just think, especially, and I, I see things on Instagram or wherever from especially from America about treatment mm -hmm. and um, things like that and that just breaks my heart because I think you that's not that's not what people need no you know? no I know I was going to ask that in terms of your your because it's only really recently that you've entered the autism world in the last couple of years so yeah. how has that affected your own relationships with friends family um, my family are great. They're really supportive. Yeah. I saw um, your mum. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's a woman, my mum. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my my sister, um, she is really supportive and um, my parents are as well. They try to understand as best they can and they try to um, learn and um, 
support the boys in in their differences, mm-hmm. always including them in what's going on as well. So I, I hats off to my family; they're great. They've just embraced it. Brilliant. Um, but um, I mean, it would be nice if there was an easier way for them to kind of maybe go on a workshop or something where they can learn a bit more from how they can help from their perspective mm-hmm. of not being in the in the household, if that makes sense. Because um, sometimes I, you know, I'll maybe bring the boys down to my mum's house and I'll have to give her like a rundown of what level of anxiety they're at or what, what they're going to freak out about today or... Yeah. You know, things like that. But um, I think understanding is hard. Um, it's, for me, I, I guess the more I learn, the more I feel I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I read and I read and I do research and I know I've got a lot more of that in front of me and I'm keen to do it. Uh, and then sometimes when you get this, little bit of realization or understanding you realize oh I've been doing that wrong for so long and then you feel awful as a parent because you're like I've been telling them off for that or you know I've been stopping them from jumping around or kind of my oldest boy he would have like dyspraxia so he he can't sit still Mm -hmm. and as hard as he might try my husband's laughing at the background Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, he just built some funny shapes. But as hard as he tries, it, he can't sit still. He just can't do it. Yeah. Um, and he really wants to, um, like, not fall off his chair in class and stuff. But, um, we, you know, if we didn't understand or if we hadn't learned about that ourselves, then we wouldn't be able to help him. Yeah, with just be saying, sit in your seat, stay still, yeah. concentrate. Yeah. 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 So, um, if you you mentioned, you know, you wish there was a workshop or something like that for family. What what would if you could design that workshop? What would you want it to give them that they're not getting at the moment? Um, I guess first and foremost, like a, an introduction into what is what autism is. Um, but more importantly, I guess how it makes life difficult for people and. I know there are videos and things and the National Autistic Society is quite good at that kind of thing, but um, more of a, a direct approach where people can ask questions and not feel you know, silly about it um, and that they can learn that there's lots of other people who are going through the same thing and um, that they can gain, I mean, gain lots of understanding from other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. And to share that, um, I think, I think if they had like some building blocks of understanding why meltdowns happen, that kind of thing, um, telling the difference between a tantrum and a meltdown, uh, as well. That must be very hard. That Sorry, must, that must be very hard. Knowing the difference between just a child's strop and a real sensory overload. I've had enough meltdown. Yeah. I mean, as well, when um, I have tried to explain to people, and recently, like beginning of a new school year, I've had to go through it with my oldest boy's teacher again, that he doesn't have meltdowns at, like, you know, the kicking and screaming and shouting and 
shaking and running away, that all those things that my other son does. Mm-hmm. My oldest son simply just zones out. It's yeah. like no one home, and that is him really upset. Yeah. To most people, they wouldn't even notice there was anything wrong. It'd be like he's just being quiet. Yeah. And it's not. It's him going. I can't cope. Yeah. So I'm just gonna opt out, zone out. I'm not here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it can be. I think very difficult to to catch on to when they're not coping. Yeah, absolutely, especially with that that type of meltdown. Whereas your other son's probably more obvious. Yeah. Um, but harder in other ways as well because, like, so how do you tell the difference between him having a meltdown where he kicks and screams and all the rest of it, or he's just being a child? I think it's it's that little. Um, thing of whether he has something to gain from acting out yeah or whether it's just a reaction to something yeah um and um a reaction he will just do without thinking that that's the moment where you think he's going to run in front of a car or he's because he's just running or he, he he um <laughs> he went to get eyes tested the other day and we were in spectators and he um just started freaking out because of the reverberation in the in the room. It's quite echoey in the shop. Mm-hmm. So he just thought, I can't cope with this. And he just started screaming and pulling all the glasses off the displays and throwing them. Um, and then he ran out of the shop. Wow. And I was really lucky in that incident as well that um, I apologized and, and, you know, tried to help tidy up and retrieved him and all the rest of it and tried to calm him down. And I said, look, we'll go now. I'll come back later. But um, the the guy who was serving me, his wife actually taught or worked in a special school, so he had a level of understanding, and he was very good about it. And he just said, "It's okay, don't worry." Um, and that was nice. But I know that's not always what people think. No. So um, actually, I'd say probably nine times out of ten, it's not. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that the the drive for self gain is what a tantrum is. Yeah. Um, whereas a meltdown is literally can't cope. Yeah, no option. Yeah. I'm starting to learn the signs leading up to a tantrum so you can, or a, a meltdown so yeah. you can kind of nip it in the bud before, you know, he starts to do a lot of stimming, um, jumping up and down, shaking, um, that kind of thing, that he will um, be giving you signals that he's not coping. Yeah. And I think that's, that's good for me to know now because I can take him away from a situation before it gets too much yeah absolutely and that spec savers example is is another example of where the environment is just could be so much better for people to yeah. exist in um, yeah yeah absolutely There's just uh, lots of people around talking and lots of bright lights and yeah. hard spaces and yeah yeah um and in terms of the you know nine out of ten people probably wouldn't have reacted how that person did and be quite understanding um have you learned have you had to learn to just have a, a very thick skin to stuff like that or does it still reach you does I it still... like a rhino <laughs> <laughs> I would have got really upset in the past and some days you know like most um ASD parents quite sleep deprived yeah. um I uh, you know and when you're tired and stressed and one thing or another Sometimes you want to have a meltdown too yeah. <laughs> in shops, um, but uh, I've kind of 
my brain's lost track again, sorry. Um, yeah, so we were saying uh, you, your thick skin, <laughs> have you developed this a thick skin or does it still... Oh. Yeah, I mean, in the past it would have really upset me. Um, but no, I, I just, if people are ignorant or saying things that they shouldn't say, I literally just kind of go in the other direction because I think you're not going, if people want to be really close-minded about things, you're not going to change their mind anytime soon. Um, and I just take, my coping at the moment is to take, take my children away from that. Yeah. I don't want them to hear people say nasty things about them. No. Uh, and because that's hurtful and children go through enough of that in school playground. Yeah. They don't need from adults as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what about for you to keep yourself sane, for your husband to keep himself sane? Do you do you have something that you is you released, you exercise, do you do you get time for yourselves? Um <laughs> what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, my my release will be going back to uni. Yeah. That that will be what it, what I what I love it to do, and I will love it even more because it it will help my children. Yeah. So and hopefully other people. Um, I I guess oh, a glass of wine. Yeah. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Turn to yeah. Um, I. Uh, I don't really get much other time to do anything, <laughs> to no. be honest. And once you've done school runs and got home and done a bit and then get lunch and back out in the school runs and then home and dinner and then it's yeah. not much left. No, it's a bit of a treadmill, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, I, I think that has been fascinating, really interesting to hear your journey and insights and having two children that are just so different must give you like math insight which I think will be really really valuable for your project in the future definitely and hopefully we'll see your name in lights changing the world and developing <laughs> better spaces and supermarkets and all over the place thank you yeah okay. so thank you very much for your time is there, do you have a parting message to the world in terms of the one thing you've learned or the one thing for someone who's maybe just starting their journey oh uh don't give up yeah don't, don't don't go go with what you believe is right for your child not what somebody else is telling you um i i i was told my son wasn't getting a statement i fought them then i was told he wasn't getting a place in a school because there wasn't any <laughs> and i fought them and you know you, you just have to stick up for your children you really do um and there are organizations who help I my I have folders in my um, filing cabinet for each of my children, and most of them are, you know, like this. Noah's is like this, mm -hmm. of paperwork and legislation, and I really just literally like threw the book at them and said, no, it's not good enough. Yeah. It's um, and without shouting louder and louder and louder, I don't think he would have had a place in a school. No. I think he would still be suspended indefinitely mm -hmm. <laughs> and at home and that's just not the right thing for society no. I mean no. I, I stop work so there you go I mean to get more people out working and to get more children who are on the autism spectrum um, up and through their education 
so that they can be employed yes. um, is really important um, because most of them are more than capable Absolutely. of doing what they want to do or they just have to learn their coping mechanisms um, and not to be forced into this box by bureaucrats, essentially. So. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Well, really useful. I'm sure people will find your interview very, very helpful. So thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. Okay, thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Hi, welcome back. We have just listened to the Alice Tennant podcast. Uh, I've made some notes because there was so much in that that I wanted to remember to speak about afterwards. So what did you think? Noah reminded me of me. Noah did remind me of you also. So um, Alice reminded me of me. Um, Alice reminded me of you also. Yeah, so it seems like we've been through some similar situations. Um, um, the, the cat is being cute. The cat is being cute behind his butt. So, so Noah was excluded from school. Um, he was having violent meltdowns and... Like you, was never in class. Um, he didn't have a statement at the time. You didn't have a statement. It was all very similar stuff to what we've been through. Uh, Alice had a long fight. I had a long fight. So I can totally resonate with this uh, podcast, and I'm sure a lot I of you guys. I want to get into a long fight because then, then I'll be covered in blood that I can look after. <laughs> yeah, different type of fight. But um, but Noah's now at a new. <laughs> Noah is now at a new school. Um, he's only been there for a week. Well, actually, he was there for a week when this podcast was recorded, so he's probably been there a while now. But just like with me, Alice is sat there waiting for the phone to ring to say that something's happened because it's just an automatic response. When you went to your new school, I'm like, oh, no, when the phone's going to ring. And every time the phone rang, I was like, oh, no, it's school. So um, also really impressed with that the fact that Bernardo's had helped Noah because Bernardo's have helped us with Joe, haven't they? And Joe isn't even autistic, probably. Um, I mean, not well, probably. they've helped. He's not diagnosed at the least. No, but they they gave him CBT. So Bernardo's, I don't know if they do it in every area. I'm really sorry about that silly dog making noises behind us. But um, yeah, Bernardo's have been really helpful for us. So definitely worth looking into in your area. <gasps> don't know why I keep yours. Right, we're gonna go because these dogs are being silly. You know what?